2: is rotten tomatoes wrong about Aladdin the 2019 live action remake of the beloved 90s Disney classic animated film it's another one in Disney canon and Cruella actually comes out soon and so you talk about piggybacking off of their great animated movies 101 Dalmatians now we get to go back in time from that movie and see how Cruella became DeVille. But today it is all about Guy Ritchie's film Aladdin. It is currently 57 percent on the tomato meter, which, yes, if you're a regular listener to the show, you know, it's just oh so close. It's close to Freshville. But the good news is the audience score is a very robust 94 percent. And speaking of A's, I am sure That my very special co-host this week got nothing but straight A's, first honors all the way around, probably valedictorian of her high school class. Filling in for Jacqueline (laughs) Coley while she's on vacation is one of my dear friends. You probably know her from the Rotten Tomatoes program, The Ketchup, or you probably saw her amazing red carpet work at this year's Oscars. The one, the only, Naz Perez. I am so excited to finally have your magic carpet fly you into our airspace.
0: You know what, Mark? It's just going to be a whole new world. Wow, wow! What what an intro! Are you Miss Cleo? I'm so. How did you know that I got straight A's in school? That was. Oh wild. my
2: gosh! I'm glad we were getting all of our Aladdin musical cues out of the way early.
0: I know I'm the worst with puns because I used to produce Bachelor and we would always have to like come up with puns, you know, like for cast to say. So I had yep. that. I I thought about that one like days ago, guys. Not gonna lie, but um, I'm so excited probably, to be here.
2: Yeah, you can probably already hear our our guest is chomping at the bit today, too, to talk about this. So he is Winston A. Marshall. We're going to bring him in just a minute before we say hello to Winston. uh, Naz, you're new to the show, but I'm going to put you right in the white hot spotlight of telling our audience, all of our freshies out there, what is Aladdin 2019 about?
0: So 2019 version of Aladdin is about a street thief named Aladdin. He meets this beautiful young girl who, in reality, is the gorgeous Princess Jasmine, but he doesn't know it at the time. Um, He sort of becomes desperate to win her heart and fall in love with her. And while he's sort of on that quest, he comes across a lamp and a genie. And he becomes really close friends with this powerful genie. And both of them soon find out that the evil sorcerer Jafar is... um, sort of also wanting this lamp so that he can take over the kingdom and like neighboring towns. I think that's the best way I can describe. Obviously so much amazing stuff happens in between, but I think that's sort of the, the meat and potatoes of live action Aladdin.
2: You get the meat, you get the potatoes. There's also a really cute monkey and a very interesting parrot in Aladdin, both the classic <laughs> animated version and the 2019 live action. But you're right. And it's it just it, it was a really interesting movie to rewatch because I saw it initially when it came out in theaters and then getting it to watch again. It's uh, this th- there's a lot to, to chew on here. We're going to get to all that with you, and with our guest this week. He is a returning champion. You know him. You love him. You can check out his YouTube channel show uh, Boards in the Hood. Uh, That's also his podcast with our buddy Jay Washington. Hey, he's been on the show, too. They talk about pop culture, sports, a little bit of politics, a little bit of news and more from a board perspective. He is the one, the only Winston A. Marshall. Winston, how are we, sir? (laughs) I'm
3: good. Thank you for having me back and having me back for what I would say is the best live action Disney movie that we've gotten so
0: far. Whoa! Are you,
3: yeah. Are
2: you ready? I'm going to, out on I, a limb. I was gonna say, that is really kicking off with heat. Do me a favor, don't bang the table when you're making points, Winston, because you're 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 already <laughs> just shocking the world with this claim that it's the best live. Okay, so let's start there then. Uh Winston, I have a feeling I know the answer, but it's mm-hmm. my job to ask it. Is Rotten Tomatoes wrong about the tomato meter of Aladdin, which is currently 57% rotten? They are wrong. They are wrong. Now, I will openly admit, especially
3: for someone that Aladdin was my favorite Disney movie back in the day, yes. that I do give the edge out to the animated Aladdin. But to have it th- to the for people
2: that have been like, oh, it was so bad. It was not. It was phenomenal. OK, OK, Naz, he's he's getting it up there with the animated version. So let's throw the question to you. Is Rotten Tomatoes also wrong in the world of Aladdin 2019?
0: OK, so I, I feel like I have to give people a little bit of context just because I'm new to the podcast. Um, so I was born in 1990. So the first 10 years of my Ooh. life spent on this Earth, like orbiting in space, was spent in the Disney Renaissance era. Um, I was also okay. raised in Florida, so one, I'm weird, but two, I had, <laughs> I had such close proximity to Disney World, meaning like, literally, it's just ingrained in like every fiber of my being. Also, my straight father, who I know Lucy's like listening right now, and she like l- we always joke about my dad, my straight father. Would literally walk around quoting Jafar in my household (laughs) whenever, whenever I wanted something. He would act like he would like joke at me and be like, "You're Princess Jasmine right now." That I actually made him record what he would say to me, and I'm gonna play it for you guys.
2: Oh, oh dear!
3: How frightfully upsetting
0: so you would literally walk around the house and be like, "Oh, Princess Jasmine, how frightfully I'm sorry." So I just like I just want to give you guys context on like how much Aladdin means to me and this is I think crucial information for anyone that grew up in the 90s because these weren't really just films. They 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 quite frankly like built a lot of um my psyche and and the lens in which I view the world. Aladdin mm. was so important to me because as a Latinx person, Jasmine was the closest princess and Pocahontas that I had to someone that sort of looked like my family. So whenever we would play make-believe in our neighborhood, I had to be Jasmine or Pocahontas. I could never be Belle and I always wanted to be Belle. (laughs) And also Aladdin was one of the only films in that Renaissance era where the male, the guy was sort of pining for the woman. You know, it wasn't like Little Mermaid where she was willing to give up her voice. It wasn't Cinderella where, you know, women were dying to try on a size six just to make it fit so they can get married. You know, Aladdin was like this handsome and we got to see his abs. I mean, it's great that they added a shirt now, (laughs) but like, you know, he was he was a zaddy. And so I just want everyone to know that this film sort of slaps differently for me. Um, I also loved Return of Jafar, the the direct to video sequel. I watched all 80 plus episodes of the television series and then Aladdin and, and the King of thieves, which was sort of the finale, which Robin Williams came back for. So to make a long story long, you know, I'm not a critic. I'm someone that goes to the movies to, to, to just like enjoy films. I'm willing to sort of ignore the technical bad things about a movie. And I'm just more, more focused on how much I enjoy it. So I think Rotten Tomatoes was wrong and I think this definitely should have been fresh, not certified fresh, but at least 65 to 70 percent for me. And I think it says a lot that the audience score was 94 for this one. I agree. OK,
2: okay. so, yeah, yeah, Winston seems f- firmly in line with that audience score number. And then Naz is getting the movie to fresh. And I am not going to be a Debbie Downer here, but I do think Rotten Tomatoes is correct with this score because I feel like this movie Pulled off things that I did not think it could pull off very well. But then there's other things that just seem like givens that I just feel like it it failed at executing. And that is why I think 57 percent it is so close. And I would not begrudge the movie a fresh rating at like 60 or 61 percent. But I feel like 57 percent is right in that wheelhouse of accurate For Aladdin. And so we're going to talk about Will Smith's genie. We're going to talk about the love story. We're going to talk about the translation of animated films into live action and where this one may rank. We already know how Winston feels about it. Going to get to all that stuff and some fun behind the scenes gags too here on the show. But before we do any of that, we are going to get kicked off with our segment featuring Tim Ryan, the expert review curation manager here at Rotten Tomatoes for our own producer, Lucy, who's returning next week, I hear. Singing to Tim.
1: Two with Tim. Thank you, Mark. Beauty and the Beast was one of the biggest box office hits of 2017. And if there was some question about whether the Disney live action remakes had an artistic reason for being, there was no question that the public was really enjoying them. But after the huge success of Beauty and the Beast, Christopher Robin was next. And while it got some pretty solid reviews, it's at 72% on the tomato meter it didn't exactly set the box office on fire. And that was followed up by Dumbo, which at 46% got worse reviews and also didn't exactly set the box office on fire. Still, I think there was a lot of interest going into Aladdin because A, the original was so beloved and B, there was a lot of curiosity about how Will Smith would step into the role that had been so... Wonderfully performed by Robin Williams. But the critics' response was pretty muted, even if the audience response was a lot more positive. It's at 57% on the tomato meter with 379 reviews, and it has a 94% audience score. So a little bit of a divergence there. So, what did the critics have to say? In a Rotten review, Samin Amir of the Express Tribune in Pakistan wrote, The film has a tough predecessor to live up to, and it simply isn't as vibrant or joyous as its 1992 counterpart, nor does it do anything creative enough to justify its existence. However, in a fresh review, Jazz Tenke of Awards Daily wrote, Aladdin is fun. It's entertaining. It's a visual feast. Guy Ritchie hasn't tampered much with it, and Will Smith absolutely delights and delivers. Rotten Tomatoes critics consensus for Aladdin reads, Aladdin retells its classic source material story with sufficient spectacle and skill, even if it never approaches the dazzling splendor of the animated original. But even if a number of critics were impressed by the musical numbers and the visuals, a lot of them felt it didn't really do enough to really expand on the 1992 original, nor did it necessarily bring a ton new to the table. So yeah, after Aladdin came The Lion King and Maleficent, Mistress of Evil, both of which did pretty well with audiences, but the critics were definitely muted on both of those as well. So Mark and Naz, is this new Aladdin a whole new world? A new fantastic point of view? Or are they only dreaming? Back to you guys.
2: Come on, Tim, sing the song. And as Winston, it felt like he was just about ready to belt out a whole new world, and then he chickened out at the last minute.
0: (laughs) I
3: don't don't know why he didn't just go for it. I mean, look, we all know what a whole new world is about. That is purely about losing your virginity. He should have just done it and just (laughs) let us just have that moment together. It would have been fine.
0: Wow, Winston, Uh, I'm scared of your Spotify playlist that you play in those moments. (laughs) There's a whole new world on there.
3: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I can show you the world. Shining, shimmering, splendid. Like, yeah, that's very clearly about the... Tell me, princess, now, when did you last let your heart decide? Like, come on now. Come on now.
2: I've <laughs> never been happier to be talking with Winston but not have him talk about The Lion King and Can You Feel the Love of the Night? And, and <laughs> reading <laughs> Which is probably, the
0: probably also on his playlist, I assume. <laughs> <It's>
2: probably, <laughs> yeah. yes, yes. You know what I think about Winston? <laughs> There's going to be a lot of Disney tunes on that playlist. So... <laughs> And now it is that time to get into the movie talk itself with our movie scenes. And look, the the headline when the movie was released and and the thing that I think people were most excited to see was how do you top the genie that Robin Williams brilliantly portrayed in 1992? How's Will Smith going to follow it? So I'll just tell you all, for me, that was the big ticket item for me walking into the theater. And I really liked Will Smith as the genie because he wasn't trying to outdo Robin Williams. Robin Williams's manic energy and his comedic timing is a one of one. That's not a once in a generation talent. That's a once in the existence of the planet Earth sort of talent that he has. But Will Smith has such a charisma, has such a personality that the genie won me over. I was already locked in because I love the opening sequence and when Aladdin sort of rescues Jasmine when she gets in some trouble in the street. But then when we meet Will Smith's genie, I was like, yeah, I see what this movie's doing. You get three wishes, they must begin with rubbing the lamp and saying, I wish. Got it? think so. A couple other rules. You can't wish for more
3: wishes, three is enough. Now, I can't make anybody love anybody or bring anybody back from the dead. Oh, feel free to interrupt me anytime you don't understand. I'm kidding. Don't ever interrupt
2: me, no matter what. And I fully bought into it. The the genie read for you, Winston, in this movie. Uh, absolutely. I think the, the, the best way that I can think about
3: it is I think about how the Joker has been portrayed in various Batman films. So mm. you had, uh, you know... Jack Nicholson didn't try and do Cesar Romero and Heath Ledger didn't try and do Jack Nicholson. And we don't talk about, you know, Jared Leto. Uh, and then, you know, Joaquin Phoenix did his own thing. I think this is a situation where you have an iconic character that was already played to the absolute umph degree. And it, it would have been detrimental to Will to try and be Robin. That's never who he's always been high energy himself, but in a completely different fashion. So knowing that we're not trying to recreate the same thing, he gave his own almost like fresh Prince of Bel-Air version mm-hmm. of the genie, which was still fun in and of itself. It's just a completely different like envisioning of it. And I think that it really read when you remember that that's who Will has been his whole career has been very just like playful and just kind of silly in his own kind of cool Right. Um, I I think it went really well uh, because I think the other thing about it, too, Will's type of uh, like shenanigans is a little more grounded than Robin's. I don't think Robin playing the genie in the live action would have read very well because I don't think that a lot of that crazy over the top spectacle would have played nearly as well and like you needed the animation to mm-hmm. literally make the millions of goats when he bazz as goats in the song mm-hmm. Prince Ali and everything right you you needed him to be able to to really be larger than life and Will does that but just in a more grounded way if that kind of makes sense <laughs>
1: Sleeping Dogs. Now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery.
2: And he does a lot of uh, singing and dancing, too. And he pulls it off because we know him not just as a movie star and the Fresh Prince, but also as a very accomplished musician and, and hip hop artist. So he, he can do a variety of things. And his genie showed that. Naz, when you walked in, did, did you have apprehension that there's no way this genie can live up to Robin? Or were you excited because it's Will Smith and we all love Will Smith?
0: I think apprehension is is literally the perfect word to describe it. And I think that's how I walk into any Disney live action, especially from Disney Renaissance, because I'm like, oh, no, like y- you walk <laughs> in and you're, you're sort of someone like, you know, like people on dating apps in L.A. where they're just like on there and they don't even know what they want. You don't know what you want. You want the same exact thing you, you saw when you were a child, but you also want something different. And so it's it's sort of like this crapshoot. And for me, Jeannie, like I didn't even know who Robin Williams was when I first saw Aladdin. You know, that was my first introduction to who Robin Williams was. And I read that the part was actually written for Robin Williams. The writers wrote Genie thinking about Robin Williams in their head, not even thinking that they would get him to play it. So when he played it and, you know, let's talk about Genie for a second. He's arguably like the coolest ancillary like Disney side part. He's like cool and magical and all powerful, but he's warm and he's hilarious. Like whenever I went to McDonald's, I was like, I hope Jeannie's in my Happy Meal, you know, like (laughs) and I don't think that there's anyone that was there's no actor that is more voice actor that's more synonymous with a Disney character than there is Robin Williams and genie i can't even think of the faces of any of the other characters i remember in like the trailers watching other disney vhs's you would see robin williams in the booth saying like it's a kinder gentler genie look at this you know and so for me robin williams was genie so going in again apprehension i'm like there's no Way The fact that Will Smith came in, made this completely his own, like you said, you know, I don't want to repeat everything you said, but didn't didn't try and impersonate Robin and just took the character and made it the essence of Will Smith, adding in like even through the music, the hip hop you know, the beat breaks and even the jokes were Will. you know, when Aladdin teases him about his um, his top knot. And he's like, that's my little cherry on top. You know, I'm like, that (laughs) is something Will Smith would say. So will really comes out in this. And the fact that you can walk out of the film and all three of us agree that Will did a great genie when that is arguably the hardest thing this film had to achieve. For me, that is sole reason alone. This film should not be rotten.
3: I, I do have one thing I want to interject. I agree with 99% of what you said. The only one is I think the only person that is on equal footing that their voice is super tied to a Disney character, mm-hmm. which is why I was sad that the character didn't make it into live adaptation is Eddie Murphy as Mushu. You. Oh that yes. Was, yes, that, you're right. I, that you're is right. so spot. It's like, yes. not on you. It's not on your cow. <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> he
0: popped out of the snow like a daisy. <laughs> yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I forget about Mushu because, you know, unfortunately for some people he wasn't in the live action, you know. So, right. so yeah, you're absolutely correct in that. But Will it- Will nailed it. He really, really I'm nailed
2: it. Just so thrilled that you are talking about Robin Williams and Eddie Murphy. It's almost like comedians are underappreciated, right, Molly? <laughs> nope. The dog, the dog <laughs> fell asleep again. So. <laughs> Look, let, let's, get, let's get into some of these scenes that really spoke to us in this version of the film because Guy Ritchie directing it, that was sort of a curveball that no one really expected to see and people mm-hmm. might have been, there's that word again, as apprehensive about what he was going to do with this. But right. the thing that struck me, Winston, as soon as the movie comes on is, oh wait, Guy Ritchie has a background in directing music videos and uh-huh. the first sequence in this film put that on full display so is it the musical numbers for you that that really make you like this movie and turn that like into love
3: a thousand percent I mean we we're going to talk about uh you know the added song that was put into the an original song for uh for this adaptation but like yeah I mean I immediately think of how all the video all of the songs did feel like either action, like, Guy Ritchie action sequence, yep. like, videos. Uh, like, when you get to uh, uh, a one jump, you know, and and that how, how that is, like, a parkour, like, mm-hmm. music video, which is kind of cool. And mm-hmm. then, uh, you know, how Friend Like Me literally felt like every Kanye West, like, tour we've ever seen, like, with all the <laughs> different genie and how that's all coming through and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, even how speechless he kind of gives us, like, this weird, like, almost time travel matrix like inception like the guards are dissolving into sand like there's just so all these little elements that guy richie brought in including and probably my favorite when aladdin gets kicked off the cliff and he's flipping backwards we get a slow-mo like and i was like yeah this is a thousand percent of guy richie
2: phil i got so nervous during that part because i i thought it was going to be like back to the future too where he knew the magic carpet was just right there ready for him to fall back on but nope nope it's the it's the cold ocean and yeah. <laughs> the yeah magic carpet isn't in time and i'm like what are we doing with this guy are we <laughs> am i gonna walk out of the theater singing and dancing or weeping naz The the musical number that you loved the most, is, is that one of the highlights of this movie for you as well?
0: Yeah, I mean, I saw I saw this in theaters opening weekend and that's you know, that's the moment where everyone's clapping, people are dancing. What was so cool, so my favorite scene is, you know, the Prince Ali number. And for me, why this was most exciting is because and Winston, unless you can correct me because I just forgot about Mushu. So maybe I'm forgetting about something else. <laughs> no, no, but no. for me, it was the first big musical number from this era of Disney films that was gonna have real people in it. Because be my guest was mainly CGI um, the right. jungle book I think King of the jungle Louis song and that you know that that movie wasn't really right. a musical so I was like how is this gonna come alive with real people that's what I was most excited most nervous mm-hmm. to see play out and the fact that it just you know it starts the anticipation with like you know spices falling and the tea glasses shaking and then you see that's all cool. these people and white horses and camels and just in just drenched in color, beating drums. And then you see Will with this massive hat that just explodes.
2: You're gonna love this guy. Prince Ali. Fabulous. He Ali Ababwa. Show some respect. Boy Genuflect.
0: And it's just so so exciting! It w- it was Agraba meets Mardi Gras, and what was so cool about the way that they brought this to life is that Will again adding his hip hop influence. You know, he's jumping around and he's like, "Fellas, how many how many golden? You know, whatever does he have? He's like, "How many peacocks <laughs> I don't want does an he have?". ad yeah.
3: libs, yeah, how and many he, camels? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah and he's yeah, doing yeah. the ad
0: libs, and you just want to jump up and down. And it, all, all of a sudden, Prince Ali, which was already this incredible song, like "Thank You Alan Menken" and the people that wrote the lyrics lyrics to it It was already an incredible number didn't think it could supersede my expectations and it does it became this sort of hip-hop version that I wanted to run home memorize the lyrics to and just like remember the pacing of this one even when he's jumping up and down when he's like woo woo and you know just the dancing and the women in the yellow and purple feathers just the way that whole scene comes to life the only thing I was bummed about is that Aladdin didn't didn't the The elephant that Aladdin was on didn't kick down the doors of the palace, which I really, really love in the animated. That was a really when
3: Jafar tries to close the door and then just gets kicked open.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and Iago gets like smushed. Like I was really hoping for that, but I will say the the button to that scene, which is when. Aladdin and Jeannie, you know, meet Jasmine and the Sultan and Jafar. It's a, it's this awkward meeting of the parents, and it was one of the most hilarious scenes in the film that I just felt like the whole thing was perfectly executed. Like you said, I think Guy Ritchie's, you know, his actionness and Prince of I, you know, when when I when he was announced to direct this, I really thought this was going to be more of like a Prince of Persia sort of type of movie, like way more action, but you re- like you said you really see his influences and it was just it was just everything I wanted and more. I really really loved the Prince Ali scene.
1: And oh, yeah. I will
0: say the last thing I will say is Agrabah where I feel like the movie fell short for me and again, I was willing to ignore because I'm just a fan. Is Agrabah felt very contained and small to me? Like I feel like when we think of other backdrops, when it comes to Disney, like Beauty and the Beast takes place in a castle and a small town, and same with Cinderella. And so, Agraba's is like arguably one of the coolest. It's the Rainbow Road of this Mario Kart, you know. So I was I was so excited to see this this that world reference. come to life, but it didn't really come to life in the way I wanted it to. It felt very small. I felt like a lot of the scenes took place on like a set. So the reason why Prince Ali hit so hard for me is because it was the one time where I felt like Agrabah felt really big and we saw faces of the people that lived in Agrabah.
2: Okay, that's fair. That, that I, Because here's my thing with this movie overall is that those musical numbers y'all are talking about, I thought were great. And, and I'm the dope that walks into a movie theater to see a musical, and I just, I I don't have a negative attitude towards it, but it takes me like five minutes to just acknowledge that, okay, we're just going to be breaking into singing and dancing for the next two hours, and Fair. I'm just going to have to live with it. Whether it's something as fantastical as Aladdin, or it's La La Land, or it's Les Miserables, whatever it is, it's like, okay, people are going to be singing, Mark, you got to get over this, and I do, and then I can get swept up in a world of imagination and that happened with Aladdin right off the bat. But it's those strands that are tying those epic pieces together that, for whatever reason, fell a little flat for me. And that's what I meant when, at the top of the show, I said that I thought the stuff that was easy to execute sort of came off a little rough. And the movie is well over two hours, and I felt like this could have been such a shorter piece. And maybe that's because I think that the the whole premise of this movie is that Aladdin is basically lying to Jasmine for most of the movie about who he really is. And there's just things you can get away with easier in the world of animation that are tougher to pull off live action. And I think that getting over that hurdle of her accepting that this guy's been lying to me, her whole relationship, I, you know, I mean, hold
3: on. I think the balance to that, though, is she didn't really, really lie in the animated one, but she came out swinging, talking about now that. Uh, I am the handmaiden. That's the princess, because remember, like, Aladdin shows up, and she's like, just pretend right. like you're, the, you're the issue. So I think what we actually got as the setup here is, oh, y'all both some lying scumbags. Y'all are perfect for each other. <laughs> so, of course, when we get to the end and y'all got to tell the truth, it all just checks out. It's like, oh, you a liar, too? Wow, this is going to work
2: out perfectly. Yeah, we just pinky yeah. swear we're never going to lie again. But but it, <laughs> it had nothing to do with the performances, though, because I thought uh, Manu Masood and Naomi Scott, were great and Marwan Kanzari as Jafar was epic and I also loved the both Abu and Iaga I, I thought that those were just great characters and you wonder how that's gonna be in a live action setting and I thought that the real life actors played off of them marvelously and so there is mm-hmm. there is I was surprised at how much there was to like in this movie I even like the little opening number that Will does when he's just on the boat singing for the kids like I thought that was just yeah. a really cool sort of it was almost like that was the witness test. It's like, hey, we're going to be doing a lot more of this on a much bigger scale. Th- that was our warm up. If this movie yeah. is going to the gym, that was just stretching with the bands like before jog. you really hit yeah. the heavy mm-hmm. weights. Yeah, I don't disagree yeah. with
0: you, Mark. I think a lot of people would agree that there was some pacing and editing that sort of fell flat. Mm-hmm. But for me, I think what you're saying is absolutely right. I think this was casted. Like the people that were casted were so good in their roles, not just vocally, but also acting wise, that for me, they everyone really just made it jump off of the page. You know what I mean? And it wasn't because when you look at other Disney live actions, sometimes I think in the past, Disney has cast people that maybe are a great this character, but aren't as great of a singer And so we all know, you know, they went through a lot to try and like cast this film. Um, But I think at the end of the day, they found people that that could act and also sing and dance, which to me was like the home run.
2: And Will Smith as pretty much taking his genie. And one of the things that I really enjoyed about this separation from what Robin Williams did was that Will Smith, has some history with a performance like this. And I'm talking about the movie Hitch, where he's just giving (laughs) Kevin James dating advice. And it was like he was the hitch to Aladdin's Kevin James in this movie. And I totally bought into it. I thought it was so cool that like, yeah, the dude's been around what, 10,000 years? I mean, most of that was spent sleeping inside a lamp, but yeah. he still has all that life experience. And so kids, just respect your elders. When I mean, they're giving you relationship <laughs> advice. They may not have had to put their own stuff into practice in a minute, but they still have some perspective that you don't. And so, especially if, if your older friend happens to be a blue genie that is over 10 grand, listen to what he's telling you. You might, you might want to do that.
0: <laughs> yeah. I agree, Mark too, because Will, and again, it comes down to who I think for me, only Will or The Rock could have played the genie because it had to be someone warm and charismatic because the love story is actually secondary in Aladdin. It's really the story about identity, who you are and this friendship between Aladdin and genie. And I feel like Will really brought that warmth that he has and charisma to surface that like the genie needs in order for it to work.
2: Well, That's I- a- and it great yeah, go, call go ahead with ahead. Dwayne Johnson I like that a because it, it, there's yeah. elements of of, of a genie like sort of figure in his Maui performance in Moana well, so that's exactly I don't, what I, I was that.
0: thinking yeah I was like he totally could have pulled this off too I
3: think I this is gonna sound really weird but you because you brought up the rock and this isn't even the point I was gonna make right now but but since you brought up the rock I actually would have loved to have seen a Kevin Hart genie I feel like that would have been absolutely... <laughs> both knowing, A, because of how small he is, that he gets to play somebody big, he would lose his mind about that. <laughs> but if you wanted a similar manic energy to Robin Williams, it would have been the same but different as far as he shows. Wow. he's just always screaming. and He's always just a lot. I feel like that would have been really funny too.
0: Wait, guys, I know we're going to talk about sequels later, but now that you both have spoken, Mark, I feel like the sequel should either be a Hitch Genie sequel, or maybe we the three of us start a Genie multiverse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. All these different, oh my How God. cool would that be? Where there's like these different lamps in different parts of the world, and it's like Kevin Hart gets to be genie, The Rock gets to be genie, <laughs> you know, Issa Rae gets to be genie.
2: Yo. I would love and an, an Issa Rae genie would be great. And you talk about having some experience in the world of relationships and dating. Issa Rae's genie can tell right. you a lot about dudes and the facade they put on and who they actually <laughs> are. That's all I want. If there's an Aladdin sequel, all I want is just one scene in like the genie green room where it's just a bunch of genies hanging out, waiting for their (laughs) lamp to get rubbed. And they're just all talking and chewing the fat and going back and forth. Put your Kevin Hart genie in there. Put the Rocks genie in there. But Will Smith genie, they make another Aladdin. Come on back to us. And we're going to get into that in just a second. I want to close up this movie scene segment with thinking about this in comparison to the other live action Disney flicks. Winston, you said that you think this is far and away the best live action adaptation yes. that Disney has yet done
3: for, for a couple of reasons. I mean, one, again, if we're, we, we we have already kind of talked about musical numbers. I didn't really go into friend like me or speechless. Um, but friend like me, again, will giving his own take on it instead of trying to do a cookie cutter, exact same thing um, to add speechless and to give Jasmine her own agency mm-hmm. that it's not just, I'm tired of these men that are trash trying to court me but to take it a step further and be like, yes, I'm your only child, but I've proven that I'm more than worthy enough to become Sultan. And I prefer this ending of you are the Sultan and you can do whatever you want with the law and you can marry who you want, versus the Sultan being like, I'm gonna give you what you want, girl. You want this man? I'm gonna rewrite it. Cause I'm the Sultan. Like mm-hmm. she was, he was like, no, you have proven that you are are more than a worthy heir and a better ruler probably than I was. Mm-hmm give and so to to change that where you don't change the core of the story but you give more depth to somebody that is equally as important as Aladdin is to the film that to me it, it you if you're going to do a remake you want it to be better than what you did before and that to me is going out on a limb to improve the
2: story than what it already was all right a just so just so we have your perspective, what would you say this unsat as the best Disney live action adaptation? So what, what what's your number two ranked one? I'd say
3: I, it doesn't necessarily count as an adaptation as much as it's like a side story. I would say Maleficent That's would fair. be like okay. right there. And then after that would probably be uh, Beauty and the Beast and then Lion King. And then we don't talk about Dumbo. Uh, and then Mulan, Mulan is fine. I, I'm, I, Mulan is fine. It's, it's very different. Um, I, I didn't like that you took one of my favorite movies and its musical numbers and you stripped them. Um, I get you're going for a different tone, but what made Mulan so great is not just the empowerment story, but the music in that movie is phenomenal. So that's it why it took a hit for me.
2: Big hurdle to get over in the world of live yeah. action is just is going so far away from not necessarily the source story, but at least what we saw in the late 90s Disney movies. So uh, right. Naz, I want to put that same question to you. Do you put mm-hmm. Aladdin on top as your favorite Disney live action adaptation or is there something else occupying the number one spot? You
0: know what? It wasn't... I- I think I'm with Winston. I think it is my favorite right now. Hercules is like my number one, I think is the most underrated Disney. So I'm really amped and terrified to see what Russo (laughs) brothers will do with that. Um, Beauty and the Beast is also one of my favorites. And I did not, I, I really didn't like the live action, which made me really, really sad. So I think Aladdin is number one exactly for what Winston was saying. I think it was, because we always ask ourselves, was this necessary? And I think to make Jasmine a fully realized character, like I was telling you guys to see this character, a woman who didn't have any songs, barely had, you know, any lines. She only sings in like a whole new world in the animated version. And to give her this extended storyline, which is why the movie being long wasn't an issue for me because it kept the heart and the core of the original story, but gave so much more to Jasmine that I think is so important. And, and, I think it's t- I think we all have to take a step back and think who is this movie for, right? It, it, we could say it's for us, but it also is really for kids right now that are watching mm-hmm. it and her wanting to be sultan wasn't far-fetched for me. It wasn't thrown in your face. Right. To me, it was like a duh. Of course she wants to be sultan. And they answered a lot of different plot holes too. One, why was Jasmine always in the palace? It's because her mother was murdered. And so she's now in this mm. palace. She has the maps. She's studying. She's educating herself. She loves the people like her mom does. It all just made sense to me. And it fits so perfectly. And And it made me think back to how sad it was because at the time, watching Jasmine want to marry for love, And not just marry to for an heir to be Sultan was progressive at that time. You know what I mean? (laughs) That that was progressive at that time. So so it's just as a woman watching it and it's just it did so much for me in that sense. It also answered other plot holes. Like, for example, they, they poke fun at things like Will Smith says when when he turns when Aladdin turns into Prince Ali, he's like, Well, isn't she gonna recognize me? And Genie's like, Well, that's part of the genie magic. And you're like, Okay, that's answered. So what do you think? I like it.
3: Of course you like it, boy, I made it! I think that's me. Strictly speaking, it is me. I mean, I did most of the work. You was just standing there. But I, I hear you. But won't people recognize me? Nobody will recognize you. That's how genie magic works. People see what they're told to see. Right. Jafar's ambition that he isn't just some generic bad guy that he's like, I spent my life as a street rat and being taught being treated like crap. I will never be the weakest person in the room. You're either the most powerful in the room or you don't matter. So it makes sense why he's doing that. And then also adding in this handmaiden for someone to for for Jasmine to have her own wise counsel, the same way that Aladdin has the genie.
0: Right. right. And And not just talk to a tiger. not just Uh, talk to a tiger and her her dad, Winston too. so much more substance. I remember watching the animated and I was like, how is this guy running a country? (laughs) I'm like, like, I don't get it. Like, but now he's this, he's serious, you know, and, and he has also different motivation.
2: That tiger looked cool though. That tiger looked really, really really good. Even, even on my, on my uh, TV at home, the the tiger guy, Richie, you crushed it with the tiger. And and yeah, Carol Baskin
0: approved.
2: (laughs) It's it, it's almost like Disney knows that they're probably going to do backstories to a lot of their villains because of the success of Maleficent and in all probability Cruella because it's getting great reviews so far and so just seeing Jafar in a slightly different light where you're not feeling sympathy for him but you understand his perspective at least mm-hmm. I thought was was an interesting thing to incorporate. Does nobody else remember the the Cinderella live action movie that came out in like? Well, 2000? I was
0: going to say so. Jungle oh, Book and good. Cinderella are yeah. Cinderella I think Lily too, James yeah. Slade, Kate Blanchett like yeah. that is that was probably. Probably the best up until Jungle Book and Aladdin, for me,
2: personally. Jungle Book is still still my goat, and for no other reason, because I thought it was better than the Lion King live action, which we put in quotes. But the Jungle Book, I mean, I'm always going to respond more to talking animals than I am humans. That's just how I'm operating. (laughs) So the Jungle Book really impressed me and just Mm -hmm. gave me so much more into that world that I loved as a kid because Jungle Book was one of my favorite Disney movies when I was growing up back in the 1920s. So let's (laughs) move into (laughs) our, our next segment called Behind the Scenes, and I believe we get more music. So we touched on there might be an Aladdin sequel, and that plays into the Internet reacting to each and every little tidbit that Disney throws our way. And that is certainly what happened when the first image of Will Smith's genie surfaced and and started going around and everybody was freaking out and losing their minds. It seems like once the trailer came out, people were like, "Okay, I'll stop complaining about a movie I haven't seen yet based off of one image. But there was a hurdle for this movie right from the start in part because people just saw the genie and it wasn't the exact genie that they thought it could be. And so they freaked out and lost their minds. The overreaction to the genie. Naz, how did you feel when you first saw the the very first image of Will Smith as a genie?
0: I want to read this tweet I pulled because I feel like it to totally encapsulates how many people were feeling. Someone okay. on Twitter said, Will Smith is a genie looks like what one of those kids from the 90s fruit gushers commercials would look like if they never found a oh cure my for God. their fruit curse.
3: I remember that tweet.
0: And I remember being yeah. like, oh no, but also I've seen enough movies and I-, I trust Disney enough to know that genie's a majestic, magical creature. He's someone you have to see in motion. And it honestly didn't, freak me out as much as I thought it was going to. And of course in the film and once the, that 30 second teaser came out, everyone was like, oh, this is amazing. It wasn't like Polar Express animation scary, you know?
2: Winston, right. how, how was your Twitter day when Will Smith's genie first? was? Uh,
3: you know, I can't find the tweet because I don't quite remember when the trailer dropped, but I remember seeing it and being like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm a thousand percent here for it, especially because I know one of the biggest concerns has been like, okay, we're going to do Aladdin. They need to cast people that would have actually been in Agrabah and not whitewashes because that could get really dangerous. Right. And, they, and that, to me, I think was the bigger thing is that you, you obviously are going to need some sort of A-list comedian to cover the genie. And to pull Will was a, was a big, was a strong choice there. Um, which is funny because they also realized to have Will Smith be a part of it, you were going to have to make this more about the genie which is why even the opening sequence, even though the genie in the form of the merchant is singing Arabian Nights to us in the animated version, you don't think this is a story about the merchant. He's just like, oh yeah, you know, let me tell you whatever. And then Will's there. And even though he's giving us the story, I'm kind of like, why are you not blue? And you're kind of telling us the story and like you have kids and a wife yeah. what's going on here I, which i didn't like yeah. that opening winston okay really nobody didn't. nobody with yeah. me you didn't like the I, warm-up I, I, I liked it i liked it i just i was like i was like i see what they're doing clearly will's contract was like huh? hey i'm not gonna do this unless uh woo-hoo. you know you make me the lead though no. like because oh. supposedly that's why he didn't do the matrix he was like this, this is it or not the matrix uh Django. Because He was like, I don't think that this movie is about Django, this is about uh, 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 the doctor. Oh my god, why is my brain? Yeah, I know and it's so Christoph
2: Waltz, right? Yes, yeah, Christoph yeah, we Waltz's know. character. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we didn't have to prep for Django and Chain, so it's forgivable, too. Fair, lose <laughs> a name or two. In the translation, but yeah, I mean, right. it, it, it's it really is one of those things where for me, grow like I'm not a wrestling fan, and so a lot of people equate that woo with, with Ric Flair. That's all Will Smith to me. That that is how huh. I've known Will Smith yeah. my entire life. When he is in the Independence Day spaceship at the end, and he says, "I got to get me one of these," like that's the guy. That's one of my all-time faves. And so to see so much of that personality, either as a genie or as just some guy singing to kids on a boat, I I was there for it. And I think that, look, this movie ended up doing over a billion dollars of business worldwide, which, as we know, means when you see dollar signs, that also means the potential for sequels. So what do we want to see in an Aladdin sequel? If we want to see an Aladdin sequel at all, start with you, Winston.
3: I mean, I would want to see, I think the one thing this movie was missing that wouldn't make me put it at any sort of perfect range or anything like that, but has it up there. I actually enjoy Jafar singing. I love the I love the villain singing and being sinister and his own reprise of Prince Ali being like Prince Ali, as you can see, is barely a lad. Like not having that, I kinda hated. So mm-hmm. if we're bringing Homie back, I either need him to get take some singing lessons and get ready to sing in Return of Jafar because mm-hmm. you're only your only second rate is a great song in that sequel. Or I need them to cast somebody to be his singing voice. We've done it plenty of times before. Because Jafar needs to sing. I'm sorry. There's there's this there's he's not just the evil vizier. He's him and Scar and Ursula. There's this level of just kind of like Mm -hmm. you know that that the other thing too that I know that like uh, um, I, I played dodgeball. A lot of people know that, and I play a lot of dodgeball with WeHo dodgeball, and one of their the, my favorite themes is when they do Disney villains and literally like, so you'll come dressed as characters at, at wow. games all the time and they'll literally go through the whole road. Like that is what makes Jafar and Scar and Ursula so fun are these evil tales of like be prepared and, and uh, uh, you know, like I-, I needed that. That was the one thing I would, so I would love to see
2: that in a sequel. All right, Naz, you have the final word in this segment. What does Miss <laughs> Perez want to see? In a sequel or do you just want it to be straight up an adaptation of the return of Jafar?
0: I do. So I think I read that it's they're going for completely new stories. And I mean, Winston, I think we're just like right here. You know, I feel like we're just sharing. We're two. We're two halves of a whole idiot that want this movie to be fresh, because Jafar is iconic for me. And again, everyone called him Hot Jafar. You know, when he was first casted, and I was excited. And I think Marwan did an incredible job. But I do feel like. He It was lacking comedy for me, I think, in the writing. I think I wish Jafar was a little funnier. I wish he sang at the end like you were saying. And Jafar and Iago as well. Like, I wanted, you know, Alan Tudyk or... I wanted Iago to be more of a prominent character. I would love to see, like, Sasha Baron Cohen do, like, an Iago. And so I would really love a sequel around Jafar and more Jasmine, obviously. Always more Jasmine and, and how she's, you know, now... What is it like for her to be sultan? I think that would be really important for people to see.
2: Yeah, I, I I stand by this movie. Deserves its tomato meter score, although I would not bat an eye if it made it into fresh territory one day. But I think 57% is fair. Having said that, I'd be up for a sequel in this world. If you want to return to everybody, th- there was so much controversy when this movie was announced, that Guy Ritchie was doing it, that Will Smith was going to be the genie. And then even after the film's release, with, with, with Mana Masood not getting a lot of offers, the kid is great yeah. in this movie. Get him work, or at least put him in a sequel, because I want to see more stories here, too. And I feel like if this kind of film can survive all of that it, hype and and a backlash and back and forth, even before the film comes out and it ends up doing a billion dollars that now, you know, it can be successful. You know, you have a working template, you know how to do this sort of thing. I'd be up for another trip to the world of Aladdin. And that also is going to be where my fun little trivia question comes from. In a way, we're going to get to that in just a sec and we're going to start closing Ooh. up shop. But first, we have a, a very quick mailbag. Hit the music. I am nothing if not a tease, as you both know. So, <laughs> this is from uh, an esteemed member of our freshy ketchup crew, Mary Cullen. And she simply says, I'm enjoying your podcast, but could you do some romantic comedies? I loved your love actually discussion. Thanks. And thank you, Mary. We appreciate you being a fan of the show. And, Mary, I got good news for you because. Our own Naz Perez, Winston. I don't know if you knew this, brought up a movie that I was shocked to hear is not only rotten, but is like super rotten. Naz, if you'll do the honors.
0: Yes. Yeah, so, Mary, I a thousand percent agree because rom-coms are life. Um, let me just look up the current tomato meter score before I drop off this bomb and say the wrong number. Um, but The Holiday by Nancy Myers is rotten at 49% on the tomato meter. It is arguably, I think that the holiday should definitely be a Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong podcast episode because Kate Winslet, Jack Black, that little, the cutest old man to ever be in a film, Cameron Diaz, Jude Law, it's the perfect Christmas film, it's the perfect rom-com film, and the opening monologue has never made me feel so seen as a single person. So yes. I want the holiday to, to be talked about.
2: Winston, I'm looking at your face in this tiny little Zoom box, and I, I see you reacting. I see you having a violent reaction to the holiday score. Is that because you love the holiday or you've never heard of it?
3: I've heard of it. I don't think <laughs> I ever saw it, but <gasps> I would say that looking at it when I, I, I was both, I love rom-coms, but I was both seeing the trailers and I was going through my mind like, I want to see that, but also that looks terrible. No. If I'm being honest, is it's it? Great. Is, is there's it's great. Is it
2: okay? It's so great
0: good. It's right. Christmas yeah, Mark, movie, yeah. do you love it? And I also love the fact that Cameron Diaz worked in the movie industry. In the film, I, I do. Character. I loved
2: everything about it. I loved the swap. It made me inspired to want to be in a relationship. Luckily, that dissipated as soon as the movie ended. But <laughs> it, it basically, Kate Winslet has one or two paths she can go. She can either uh, get with the program that is being offered to her in the holiday. Or she can just continue down this path of wallowing in which she would end up in Easttown, Pennsylvania, and become <laughs> a detective. And she's doing a brilliant job on the Mary of Easttown. She's so
0: iconic so on Mare of Easttown. It's just, oh my I'm, God. A, I'm,
2: I'm pretty locked into that show right now. Same. And as we as, as we do say thank you, good night here on, on a very fun, energetic, kinetic. It's like Guy Ritchie directed this episode of Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> is Wrong. Because it was just whiz, bang, zigzag, so much fun because of Naz and Winston. So, Winston, let's start with you. It's so great to have you back. Can't wait to have you back again. What are you working on right now? And could you throw us a movie recommendation for all the kids listening?
3: Of course. Um, So right now you can find me on all the socials at the Swaggy Blurred, T-H-E-S-W-A-G-G-Y-B-L-E-R-D. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, all that stuff. Uh, every Tuesday and Thursday, I do a show called Blurreds in the Hood," uh, as Mark mentioned at the top of the podcast, with my co-host Jay Washington, and it is it is absolutely ridiculous. I will say it is don't it's not for the faint of heart. Don't listen to it around <laughs> your children. You know, or your boss, if your significant other be looking at you funny sometimes with the stuff you watch, maybe put some AirPods on. That's all I will say, because we go in. Um, I also do a show uh, over on the Shmona Entertainment Network called the Inner Geekdom Show, Tuesdays at 9 a.m. I do reviews of some of the biggest nerdy shows that you know, WandaVision, the Falcon, the Winter Soldier, we'll be doing Loki soon. Uh, We've done Invincible. We're going to do Jupiter's Legacy this week. So all sorts of stuff uh, there as well. Um, and other than that, that's kind of pretty much it that's going on right now. A lot of you know me from the Schmodown. Uh, you know, got running swag over there as well. Um, that's pretty much all. And then a movie recommendation. Um, I don't have a movie recommendation right now, but I do have a show one. If you are as late to this train as I was, Better Call Saul is phenomenal. I finally sat down and decided to start it because I was a huge Breaking Bad fan and I finally got caught up with all of my shows and I was like, I need something to watch while I pack for this move, hence my apartment looking so messy right now because this is uh, the new digs. Exactly. Um, Better Call Saul takes where Breaking Bad left off and just hits the ground running and we realize why Vince uh, Gillian is one of the greatest showrunners and show creators that we've seen. Um, So if you haven't watched that show, all of the first four seasons are on Netflix. The final sixth season is coming out. I want to say early next year, so you can get all. You have plenty of time to get caught up. I can't recommend it enough.
2: Better call Saul. He was late, but better late than never. Because yeah, it is a pretty great show. Uh, Naz, before we get to your stuff, because I know uh, we we all got to get out of here. But I did tease a trivia question, and here it is. It's about the animated versions of aladdin and how we had the hit aladdin obviously robin williams is the genie robin williams returned for i believe it was the sands of time the direct to vhs yes kids direct to vhs the king of
0: thieves i believe it was
2: the king of thieves okay maybe Sands of time who does i do know this though in return of jafar it was not robin williams voicing the (gasps) genie it was another very well-known voice actor for a legendary character in the world of animation can you name Either the character that they're known for or the person doing the voice.
0: I can name the character. Okay. Homer Simpson.
2: Dan Castellaneta <laughs> is ah. correct. The voice of Homer. Also does the voice of the G and and I yes. a, a, a wow. mighty capable job of it as I recall I from watching I'm just, the Return of Jafar. I'm just yeah. an
0: Aladdin super fan, guys.
2: Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's pretty. Uh, and and where where can uh, where can everybody check out all the stuff you're working on? As I know, you always got a thousand things going on, and you just I don't know how you find time to sleep, but. <laughs> You're putting out a lot of great work right now. So, what's some hey, of the projects the kids can look for? Yeah,
0: you know, just one of the few things I have in common with Beyonce. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> first and foremost, <laughs> before I get into me, I just want to say this has been so much fun, dream come true. Also, Winston, I'm so happy to meet you because I know you were in Pleasure. Sydney to the Max on Disney Channel. So, to break down a How live action you know Disney that? film with you, because <laughs> I because because of all the reasons I explained in the first ten minutes of the show, I am a I'm a Disney girl. So, um, so it was really cool to be able to break down. A disney movie like this with you hopefully it's not the last um so yeah. i am at diamond in the rough 24 on instagram no i'm just kidding I'm <laughs> at, i,
3: I believe you uh, no, no 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 no.
0: i'm at naz perez on instagram at naz perez 24 on twitter um and yeah you guys can find me on various rotten tomatoes channels and shows just like mr mark ellis here so um thanks thanks for having it's been
2: really really fun getting all these cool opportunities courtesy of our friends at Rotten Tomatoes and it's been great having Naz Perez sit in I mean you talk about following a legend Will Smith did it with Robin Williams and Naz has done it for this week with Jacqueline Coley who's currently chilling on vacation Jacqueline we know you're listening thank you so much uh, we, we hope that you're you're back soon I know she's going to France she's going to Cannes Film Festival Ooh. producing Lucy coming back soon but I am not on an island thanks to the great team behind the scenes here in Including Brian Perez and Christian Ruvalcaba. Hey, they enjoy Disney Channel movies too. So for Winston Marshall, Naz Perez, I am merely Mark Ellis saying you can always hit us up with our email, RT is wrong at rotten tomatoes.com. RT is wrong at RottenTomatoes.com. You want to send us some suggestions on what we should be talking about here on Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong. As always, you can find us wherever you enjoy your podcast. And if you are listening to us on one of those platforms, please rate or review, subscribe, however it works, on your platform of choice because you're not going to want to miss next week's episode. We're talking Thor The Dark World. We're getting back into the MCU with one that's not usually at the top of a lot of people's list. But is Thor The Dark World really all that bad? We're gonna yes. chat about that and a whole lot more as Winston nods in a <laughs> last week.
0: And watch Cruella that comes out May 28th. Because that's Cruella gonna be lit. Is
2: May 28th, and I've heard nothing but great things from people I trust about it. So check out Cruella. Check us out here in Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong for Naz and Winston. Once again, Mark Ellis saying, I hope we showed you the world.